Um, and again, some of these things that we're going to be talking about, these scriptures that we'll be drawing from, um, you probably know them by heart or close to it, a very familiar message um, and word. But t- today we're going to look at a, a, the bigger picture of loving the Lord your God with your all. So if you can switch over to my screen there. Um, you know, love. When I, I thought about that and just thinking about things about love, love is sought after. It's desired. It's essential. It's also misunderstood. It's mysterious. It's emotional. It's sentimental. It's tangible. It's expressed in words and also in action. It's poetic. It's sung. It's lost. It's found. It's given. And sometimes it seems to be elusive. As a society, we're trying to still figure out what love is all about. You dig a little bit deeper down into the perspective of God. God's love is faithful. It's sacrificial. It's a core attribute of his character. It's shared. It's modeled. It's pure. It's holy. It's righteous. And his love, and this is sometimes what we might struggle with, is commanded. It's commanded. And so again, I, I, as I spent the last couple of weeks just thinking about love, and you know, one of my love languages is music. I, I couldn't help but think of how have we wrestled with love in song, right? Tina Turner still wants to know what love's got to do with it. Foreigner in the, the 80s wanted to know what love is. The Beatles said all you need is love, and the reality is yeah, you can't buy it. You two said that love's going to come to town so we could look forward to it. Tom Petty said love is a long, long road, so it must endure. Elvis just couldn't help falling in love. <laughs> and Taylor Swift said, you know, in reality, it's, it's just a love story. And then those brothers, the, the righteous brothers, not part of the 12, but the other, right? <laughs> You can even lose that love and feeling. Love. Our culture is still trying to figure it out. The people that we live in and amongst are still trying to figure it out. I dare bet we're still trying to figure it out. But in many, many ways, this love is expressed most dramatically and clearly through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And those who are his followers. Love. Can't stop singing about it. I pray that we can understand it even greater. And so for this first series, I'm going to start with very familiar. When Jesus, in the end of his time here on earth, that last week, He had some deep discussions with his friends and his foes. And in one such setting, he had a debate with the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. And so hearing that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? To which Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. To love the Lord with your all, with everything, 
the whole person to respond to God in love with our heart and our soul, those things that are, are the most important to us, those things that, that, that drive what we live for. Our mind, the way we think, the things we think about, and, and our strength. Right? In Mark's version, he adds that in there, our, our total being to love the Lord our God with our all. We sang that like two songs ago. And so this is the first and greatest commandment. This is the prime. This is the most important. And so Jesus responds. These experts, they knew. When he gave that answer, they're like, oh yeah, good answer. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. We know that. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these commands that I give to you are to be on your hearts, right? And then Moses would record, right? You, you talk about them all the time when you go out, when you come home with your children at the dinner table, wherever you're going, you lie down, you get up on the road. You talk about these things. But they stem from the love of God. The love of God that we are to have with all. With all of who we are. And so as I think about this, and again, it's just the way that I'm wired. I, I don't question everything. <laughs> A lot of times they do. Because it helps me understand. I'm not trying to argue. Um, but as I read this, to me it begs the inner question, Why? And how? This is the most important commandment. Why? And how? So why? I think I ask my parents that all the time. Why? 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 You know, and, and as any good parent, what's the response? Because I said so, right? So that doesn't always do it for me and God. So we have to dig a little bit deeper, which I think he likes because he likes the communication. So why? And so I start to think about that. Why? Why should I obey this command? Jeremiah says this, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. As we start to explore the why, we understand the person and the character of God and the one who is asking or demanding or commanding, love me. So why, God, should I love you? Because I have loved you with a loyal faithful love that never ends. And I draw you, I woo you with this loving kindness. And in this context, right, they're in timeout, right? They were bad kids. They were sent out to timeout in Babylon, but he promised them, I still love you. I can't not love you. I've loved you forever. And I draw you with my loving kindness, my unfailing kindness. 
So as we start to understand the why, why should we do that? Because he loves us so deeply. And not only was he faithful in his love to those that he put in time out, but he was also faithful to the promise that he made to his friend Abraham that his people would have a place and he would make of a great nation. And he remembered his promise to his friend Abraham. But I also think in this, he remembered his promise in the very beginning in the garden that one day my seed, my offspring will come and he will crush the brokenness of this world because I love you. Because I've loved you with an everlasting love. And then we go a little bit deeper in Deuteronomy to understand this loving God, that this God is a consuming fire, a jealous God, a jealous lover. It says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, the jealous lover. I love you so much. That's why I want you to love me back. There's nothing that compares to you. I love you so much. This consuming fire, a righteous jealousy that he has for us because he's worthy and he's holy to demand such love because he loves us the same way he asks us to love back. And there's nothing, there's no one worthy to take his place or his position that never was and there never will be. You know, in the Ten Commandments, he says the same thing. That right after the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And right after that, you should not take the, Lord, the name of your Lord, thy God, in vain. He has the second commandment. You shall not have for yourself any image or form of anything. And you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. I'm jealous for you. I love you. I love you so much that I, I punish the children for their sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to thousands of generations for those who love me and obey my commandments. That yes, God disciplines and punishes us, and I think it's out of his love to correct us, but look at the comparison of the three to four generations to the thousand because of his love. I love you enough to put you in time out. I love you enough to discipline you, but my love for you who obey and love me goes on indefinitely. I love you. I love you. And he doesn't just say it in words. Moses writes this, because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength, his mighty arm to save. He doesn't just love in words, but he loves in deed and in action. To drive out before you the nations greater and stronger than you. Yeah. <laughs> if it was left up to you, yeah, you'd have been done. But because I love you, I fought for you. 
to bring you into the land to give to you as an inheritance because I promised the patriarchs. I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I am true to my word because I love you. And he delivers. He delivers on the faithful promises he have. He has that are based in his love. And so I think, why? God, why should I love you? You command, you ask very strongly, Tim, love me with everything. Yeah. You're worthy of loving. You're due the love that I can give to you. And it wasn't just for people long ago. It was for us as well. That God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't just send a Valentine's Day card. Hey, I love you. Good luck down there. He sent his son. I guess you could say the ultimate Valentine's Day card. He sent his son, his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would receive his love, would not perish but have eternal life. He's not just a God of words, but his words are true. He's a God of action, and his action is based on his truth. So in my discussion in the last couple of weeks with him, God, why should I love you? And we looked at this just a few weeks ago. We love because he first loved us. And you know love. Love desires a response. Love desires a response that would come from the heart. Love desires a response that would be, that would be creative and, and unique to each person loving the other. It's a response. So when God says, or Jesus answered correctly, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because the one who loves us is amazing. And he loves in word and deed. And he made it and he showed it. What it looks like to love. And so the question, right, given... Who God is, his nature, his action, his works. The question in my mind the last two weeks then has been how? If just that short answer to the why was sufficient and it's sufficient for me, then the the next question is then how? How do I love you? How do I love you with everything? On my heart, on my soul, on my mind, on my strength. You know, God in his love for us seems to always take the first steps to provide the way. So I'm going to make it so you can love me. That because of Christ's love compelled us, we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And he's reset the stage so we can love and love better than we could have before we knew him. So that if anyone is in Christ, the, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. We're compelled by Christ's love. He works in us as a new creation, complete wholesale change. 
as a forgiven people that we would live for him and as reconciled people who have a brand new start that we would have a brand new perspective. But the question remains, how? I love what Paul says in this letter. That since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. So that question of how, how do I do this? Then we take our hearts and we align them to the things that are the heart of God. This kingdom perspective. We we reset our priorities. We exchange a perspective of the world to the kingdom. And we grow deeper and deeper in love with him. We grow deeper and deeper in our knowledge of him. So we know who he is. We know what his heart is for. And then we adjust our heart to be after his heart. With a kingdom perspective. Not a worldly view. He says, hey, you need to change your heart. This is how. By resetting. What is the perspective? That from a kingdom standpoint, these things above, set your heart on those. And then Paul goes on to write this and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You're brand new. So because you're brand new, change your heart and change your mindset that they reflect the kingdom, love, and priorities of your heavenly father, Tim. Do that. And so I work on that. So I, I get to know him. What does he love? What does he think about? What, how does he think? What's his perspective? What are his priorities? You know, we just had Valentine's Day a couple weeks ago, and, and my wife loves seafood. I don't love seafood. I love my wife. So what Tim did to earn brownie points, right, is I, I surprised her and I made reservations for a really nice seafood restaurant in Las Gatas. She had no idea where we were going, and we went there for seafood, right? So, if, right? so I, I know my wife. I know what she loves. I know what she thinks about, and, you know, sometimes it's seafood. And so I, I'm going to adjust my mindset. I'm going to reset my heart. And, and align with hers. Now, granted, I don't eat seafood all the time, so the illustration kind of falls apart, but I did that night, and the halibut actually was really good, but don't tell her. But that's what Paul is saying here is, you know what, what God loves. You know who God loves. So, Tim, let's reset our heart on that. Let's reset our way of thinking about that and then do it. Now, now granted, I, I probably could have found a few more things on, on the menu um, so we can go back again a couple times, but, um, you know, there's a limit. You know, brought oysters and sushi. I mean, sure, God wouldn't like uncooked seafood. Come on. But we understand who he is and what he values. And the way he thinks as much as we can. But we reset. We don't ask him to reset and come down to our level. No, he enables us to rise to his level as his children. 
and as kingdom citizens to have a heart sink and a mind reset to come alongside of him. But still, how? How do we love him? Paul would write this in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. So how? How do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is to daily live as a sacrifice for him knowing what's on his heart and what's on his mind, that each day I have the opportunity to live out those principles and that perspective wherever he sends me as a living sacrifice. Some days I do well, some days I don't, but great is his faithfulness and his mercy is new every morning. So I choose to see opportunity for the days that I might have slacked Because tomorrow, tomorrow is another day I have an opportunity to continue each day to live as a living sacrifice and to continue to work through not conforming to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, to love him with my mind as I continue to set it on things above And then I'm able to test and approve and know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And maybe that knowledge then will spur on that right action, that they they play in harmony together like a great song, that, that one fuels the other, like the words would fuel the music back and forth. That the the right way of thinking would align with a heart that's in action. Like the symphony that we sang about, that our lives would be an offering, fragrant and symphonic to God each and every day. Just for fun, I I read through the Sermon on the Mount very fast, less than like a quarter cup of coffee, so really I cheated, so I'll confess that. But but I I was wondering, you have... um, arguably the best sermon ever recorded, what does it have to say? And if you just do a cursory read through it, you're going to find out how to best love God. Because Jesus would go on and answer the question this way. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself for all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so as I spent time just speed reading, (laughs) Evelyn Wood, the Sermon on the Mount, those commands are, and those teachings predominantly have to do with how you relate to other people. Our love for God reflects how we relate and we love those around us. That's what Jesus said. Hey, the the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your all. And by the way, number 1A and 1B, the second closest, (laughs) is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. All, the whole law then builds on these two commands. So how? How do we love God? 
And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he would give this new command, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, they will know that you are my disciples by how you treat one another. So as I kept the last couple weeks just trying to come up with the, how do I love God? His answer was, if you love me, then go and love them. Live sent. Love your neighbor. Love your inner circle. Love the community of cedars. If you want to show your love to me, then let me see how you treat other people. Because if you treat them the way that I would like them treated, then I know you love me. And so these two commands, to love the Lord our God with everything, and he says here, yes, I want to spend time with you. Yes, I love when you sing, and I know you sing off-key, but I hear it perfectly. Yes, I know we talk. Yes, I know you're in the Word. But because you get to know me so well, then you must go in love. And that's how I know you love me. So these next two weeks, we're going to explore those two things. What does it mean to, to love our neighbor and who is our neighbor? And what does it mean to love one another in community? And we're going to look at this, this love and take it from maybe just the ethereal or, or this elusive songwriting exercise and make it practical. But as we draw to a close, I thought, hey, I, I somewhat have a captive audience. We, we could do something right now. One of the ways I think we can love other people is to be praying for other people. And if you've not been living with your head in the sand all this week, um, some significant things have been happening over in Eastern Europe. And so what I want to have us do, um, I know in the past, the Cedars, we sometimes just stop and kind of pray where you are loud, but um, because of time and I like to sometimes be more efficient, I'm going to ask, I'm not going to command it, I'm going to ask that you just circle around um, among, you know, three or four or five people here, and I'm going to give you a couple things to pray for, and just for a minute, just pray real quick for these things that that, um, I have listed here, and then I'll close this in prayer, all right? So we're going to love, we're going to love God by interceding on behalf of people who are in extreme need because he loves them. So right where you are, if you want to just maybe one other person or maybe maybe by yourself, but uh, let's come before God and let's pray um, for the people of this world that he loves so much that he gave his one and only son. Lord, hear our prayers for the people in Ukraine and the people uh, uh, in Ukraine and in Russia. God, hear our prayers for them right now.
and pray for peace and for the end of the war. Implore God for peace. And as you're praying, um, you may or may not know, but we have missionaries that we sent out that are in Russia, Heather and Jenya, and I've been in contact with them. Um, they're under s- severe stress. Um, they have a lot going on anyhow, and then they have this on top of that. They asked that we would pray for wisdom and discernment because they were looking to come back in June. Um, they have a church that they lead. There's a lot of questions about that. Don't even know if they can come back now or what's going on. And his heart is broken um, over what's going on. The, the number of the Russian people that he's told me about, they're, they're very saddened by, by what's taking place. So Heather and Zhenya are their names. And just be praying for wisdom and discernment and their leadership in their church. And then finally, as we're, as we're praying, we, let's end in praying for one another here. There, um, we hadn't mentioned this, but Patty Anderson's brother um, had passed away a few weeks back. And then early yesterday morning, uh, Wally Howard, um, father of Dave Howard and Sharon Howard and um, grandfather to Allison Garabedian and Dave Howard, um, graduated to heaven at 98 and 11 months. Um, long of a faithful life um, is totally renewed right now. And so pray for the Howard and Garabedian families and also for Patty in the midst of their loss. And we know that others in our midst are still grieving through losses. So just pray for that loss uh, right now.
We thank you for this, this time of prayer. God, I, I pray that your love, these requests, these intercessions, these pleas that we've made, God, that they, won't, they don't fall void. Can we have access to the very throne room of grace to you? And we're praying for your grace in all of these situations and the things that are unmentioned. God, we pray that your love, like your word would not return void, God, I pray that your love and your offer for love for this world would not return void. That then we, compelled by your love as your ambassadors, would live sent. Encourage us to do so. Remind us to do so. Help us as we seek to sink our hearts and our minds to yours. That the perspective of our life would reflect you and the priorities would look a lot like yours. So Lord, be with us as a church as we live this out that we would never tire And God, thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for your love. And I thank you that you first loved us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.